he didn't have a mic that would come down far enough to him for him to stand up, but he refused to go on the show without a script, even though he had memorized his part. So he would slide these pages on the table and uh, do the radio show that way. There were several incidents that were, uh, he got a lot of laughs that he wasn't supposed to because he had a feeling that since he couldn't sit his feet under the table, the audience couldn't either. And he would one by one take his shoes off and then his socks would come off. He'd take one toe and put it on the back of the sock and pull it off. And Father kept hearing these laughs. He couldn't figure out where they were coming from. Finally, one night he turned around and saw it. The first show we were on uh, was a guest appearance by Bing Crosby. And he had his son on, Lindsay. And that was kind of the storyline where they came over and sang Christmas carols. And we played tennis with the Crosby uh, kids. And uh, so we said, well, if Lindsay can be on, can we be on too? And there we go. A little bit of the late David Nelson talking about he how he and Ricky got onto his mom and dad's show back in 1948. So, there we go. You with me, Patricia? I wonder if I lost Patricia. Mm-hmm. This is the USA. I'm Warren Hughes. I'm waiting to see. I'm here. There we are. I'm here. There we are. I messed up. It's me. There we are. <laughs> I'm very sorry. You could hear his father in his voice. Uh-huh. He sounded a little bit like his father. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. 714. Very, very sad that we're missing him now. Yeah. 714-545-2071. And ironically, on Monday, I contacted after to get his phone number. And they told me to go ahead and get back the information. They would get, you know, give me the contact, and here he passed away the next day. Uh, I knew you were trying to make contact with him, yeah. and I, I it, you know, it's just so sad when we lose somebody who, you know, could really make, he, he made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Absolutely, that's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely, and it's very sad when we lose somebody. Especially, the, you know, if you think about it, the Nelson family was the uh, the prototype that many families wish they were, were like. Yeah, right, and yeah. they, they weren't exactly a prototype. They represented, like, leave it to Beaver, right. the Cleaver family, the the absolute pinnacle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, were, they were over the top. They weren't at the top. They were over the top. And you know, represented a family life that was unrealistic, and nobody in the United States... It, it could possibly come close to it. But still, it was something so wholesome and so much fun. Like you were voyeurs. You were kind of looking in at somebody's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it was just plain fun. Absolutely. Well, I have a giggle thing for Patricia. A giggle thing? Uh-huh. All right. All right. Here's something to make Patricia giggle and laugh. So... <laughs> this, this, okay. This is a uh, this is what happened on the Bill Goodwin show. Bill Goodwin had a morning show heard on CBS in 1957, and it was a one-hour morning show. So you're going to hear Bill Goodwin, uh, his senior Roberta Lynn, who's the champagne lady who I've had as a guest, who was you know best known for being Lawrence Welk's first senior, and his an- announcer David Ketchum. And let's find out, Patricia, what might have happened. Some weekday morning over at CBS in 1957. Saying, I'm confessing 
And we were all expecting all of the policemen to come out and start beating him with a rubber hose. <laughs> I don't wonder. Walter Winchell was there, huh? Yes, peeking through keyholes. No, he wasn't peeking through keyholes. That's his racket, though. Really? Yeah, they say he looked through a peyhole, uh, <laughs> keyhole one time. Some news for you folks. This is a live show. No <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go on? <laughs> what are my wife and four children gonna do with my mother? I was gonna say, uh, then of course the next morning. <laughs> riding and swimming, uh, no <laughs> anything we say now, you know? Wonderful. Howard Blake keeps saying, let's go, Bill. Come on, we got to move the show. He doesn't know I fainted. <laughs> <laughs> Roberta, thank you, dear. <laughs> Fabulous weekend. David, Dave, come out here, will you? I don't... <laughs> I don't want to appear too curious, but what I do don't you... either. <laughs> <laughs> what are you... We're all going to jail together. Is that the yeah, idea? Everybody. What do you have in the folder? Uh, <laughs> You're afraid to ask, huh? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I hate to go through all this right now. Yeah, I don't blame you. Take the heck with it. <laughs> Well, outside of my pink slip, what do you have in the folder? Now? Well, I'll tell you, that's, uh, just, this is just some stuff. You know, I have a collection. Uh, <laughs> it's a lady with a collection, too. But, uh, we have a collection, you see. I... <laughs> How do you spell keyhole? No, seriously, I have to I have to go through this because we may never get off the air otherwise. Dave, uh, is it true that you have traveled 250,000 miles around the world entertaining our troops overseas and everything? That's right. That's right, isn't it? That's right. You want to leave right after the show? Because <laughs> I'm going with you. There we go. A little bit of the Bill Goodwin show. Time that on. was good. Yeah. <laughs> you might like that. There was a woman, the woman who... Just lost it. I mean, she was just leading the pack. Every time she started to laugh, everybody started to laugh. That's true. That was a great line. That is true. That was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> you couldn't hear me over here, but the neighbors are now awake. <laughs> that is what I like to do, make Patricia laugh and giggle. 714. Five four five two zero seven one. We have another one. We'll play in a little while, maybe. Do you really have oh, yeah. four? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll get prepared. <laughs> well. I will get prepared. Oh uh, yeah. Seven one four 
5445 Running you over. You want to do that and I won't interrupt you? No. Okay. I want you to do it. See if I care. I care. <laughs> well, I have a question for you, and it's not your question. We do have, oh, gee, you know, we've got trivia tonight. I've got history notes. Um, I, I went and I got some useless but fun tidbits of information again, like we had last week with 118 ridges on a dime. Um, we have two shows, but we're probably only going to get to one if we do that at all. And I've got some catch-up stuff from last week. And we haven't been giving out our email addresses. You give yours, Sir Walden. It is Walden Hughes. That's W-A-L-D-E-N-H-U-G-H-E-S at Y-E-S-T-E-R-D-A-Y-U-S-A dot com. That's Walden Hughes at Yesterday USA. You can send money via your email. It's very welcome. His PayPal account is open. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get in trouble one of these I know. Nights. I know. You know, send money and we'll be and we'll be quiet. I know. Is that what they call hush money? That's they what it is. Tell us if you give us money. Yeah. I think if they send it, we would just say, huh? huh? Excuse me. Huh? <laughs> and my email is Florida Writer at hotmail.com. Uh, I am a writer, W-R-I-T-E-R. -E Somebody asked me one night, is that writer, you know, like night rider? Right. R-I-D-E-R? -E no. <laughs> I don't do bikes, and I, I think that's a part of my life that I would like to do over again. If I had an opportunity, I would ride motorcycles for a while. And that's Florida, F-L-O-R-I-D-A, W-R-I-T-E-R, at Hotmail. H-O-T-M-A-I-L dot com. That's me. We're going to have fillies tonight. All right. I have, this is not, this is not your, your question. We have a Stump Walden question. This is my bonus question. Well, it's not really a bonus question. It has to do with currency, and this stuff really surprised me. We had, at one time, a woman on paper currency. Who was it, and what was the denomination? Well, I, I, I remember Susan, Susan B. Anthony, but I was a coin. Not, and, right. Um, hmm. Take a shot. I know. Well, there's so many good choices here. How about Abigail Adams? Well, you know, gosh, that, that would have been a good choice. Mm -hmm. It was actually Martha Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a $1 bill, and it was, um, let's see, the $1 certificate issues of 1886, 1891, and 1896. Huh, I wonder why. I wonder why they chose those period of time, maybe her birthday, anniversary uh, of her birthday. Let's birth? see. Um, uh, in 1861, when the first U.S. issued, when when the U.S. issued its first major issue of paper currency, each note had. Oh, that was a different one. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. No, I didn't take down all of the rest of the information. Just those. Uh, well, I got a really terrific tri trivia question. I'll throw this out to anybody. Am I an anybody? You are an anybody. You're the special. You're the special anybody. Oh, what did you ask before we get to the new one? What did you ask before? Oh, oh, your um, your poem. Give the lines to yes. your poem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, see. It, was there any joy in Mudville? I think it's this slogan. So what? Was, there was no joy in Mudville. Mudville. So 
So what, what poem did that come from? Okay, I'm sorry I interrupted you, so go and ahead. This one, my mom went to a wonderful exhibit for one of the founding fathers of the country yesterday. And she came back to tell me an interesting fact that I never knew about. All right, folks, here we go. This is for everybody to think about and to call in. Which human being, uh, which one of our founding fathers was the only one to sign all three famous documents of the United States? Oh, my goodness. There's only one. What a great question. There's only one. And I never knew. that. I, I always assumed there was more than one. We're talking, of course, about the Declaration of Independence. Uh-huh. We're talking about the Constitution. Constitution. And we're talking about the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights. There's only one. Which one? Which one, anybody? Who, who, who did you think is the only founding father to sign all three documents of this country? Someone. I, I wouldn't know where to begin to guess. Five four five two zero seven one is our number. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. And that's a good. That's a great question. What do you got, Patricia? What else? What What do you want to put on the table here? What 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 trivia you got? What Well, I what info? thought the silver what? certificate um, with Martha Washington was pretty good. That's really oh. good. Excuse me. Now I have to go out and find the rest of the information that I knocked out because the pages were getting <laughs> too long. But um, she was actually she was on the front for two years and on the back for one year. Hmm. And why they chose those years, there was no explanation that I read of. She was just there. And I thought it was kind of interesting that she was on the $1 bill, and, of course, George is our forever on the $1 bill. But the value, let me ask you the value of a very good to fine um, item, a, a silver certificate, $1, that's very good to fine from 1886 with Martha Washington on it. How much do you think it's worth? $1? <laughs> a little to a collector. <laughs> I, I guess it, monetarily, yeah, it would yeah. be worth a dollar, yeah. but it's a silver certificate. I don't know. Are they still honoring silver certificates? I bet they are, but who knows? Huh. You probably, you, you probably. How much would a collector pay for a very good to fine quality silver certificate with Martha Washington on it? 1886. Well, my guess would be about $20, $25. Really? Uh-huh. Well, then. Yeah. 130 years old. I know, but it always sort of gets me about how little value there is on currency. Well, I was surprised that it was only $315. I am. That's amazing. Now, there's an 1886. Uh, these are initials. I know the good, very good, um, fine, right. I, uh, uncirculated. There's AU. I don't know what that means. It might be uncirculated. Uh -huh. um, it's $1,575. Probably which, untouched. <laughs> right, untouched, yeah, <laughs> which I thought, you know, I mean, uh, but a very good 1891 is $325. I wow. mean, how many of these things could have been printed? And they recalled silver. But anyway, all right, here's your next question. You ought to get this one. Mm -hmm. There were two women in the entire history of our coinage. There were only two women who have ever been struck on an American coin. Who are they? Well, Susan B. Anthony is mm -hmm. the obvious one, mm -hmm. starting in 1981 on the uh, on the dollar. Um, 
And my other guess would be Eleanor Roosevelt. Sacagawea. Sacagawea. Okay. Sacagawea, the Indian guide yeah. for um, Lewis, Lewis and Clark. Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So she got. Uh, she was on a quarter. And those are the only two women who. I'm sorry. They said she was on a dollar. Both were honored on a dollar. No, I don't think Sacagawea was on a on a coin. A dollar was she? Probably a dollar. Because I'm thinking a quarter. Well, it was a 25 cent piece. Yeah. Now, I, now I have to go look. I think a quarter would probably have already been established by then. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. Hi, it's Ralph calling. Hello, Ralph. Hello, Ralph. How are you? Okay. I knew that Sacagawea thing. Too bad you gave it away. Oh. Uh, this is just in my trivia pile. I got you. I'm, I'm sounding so important and intelligent tonight because I read this stuff. The oh, uh, Sacagawea was um, a 2000 issue, and it was a dollar. I, I didn't realize that it was uh, a dollar. Yeah. I don't remember when that came out. Uh, um, it's, it's 2000. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Oh. Uh, the year 2000. They were doing a whole bunch of special issues right. along that time. So how are you, sir? Did it snow? No. No, it's beautiful here today. Very nice. How nice is nice? Uh. Mm. Temperature got up into maybe the 60s today. Wow. In the afternoon. We had a cloudy morning, but no snow. No snow. Did the snow. Now, last week when we talked, you were getting some snowflakes, right? You had a little bit of snow? Uh, just a tiny bit. Yeah. And what happened around you? Yeah. My friend up on the mountain, he got about a foot, and we got about two inches. <laughs> that is so much fun. Now, you didn't realize, when, if, if I heard you correctly, when you first bought this house, you didn't realize that this was a benefit that came with it. Well, I, I had sort of a clue because we were interested in another house. Uh-huh. I spoke to somebody, and they said, oh, you like snow? Uh, it's only about five miles from here, but they get, they get murdered over there. And then uh, we decided to move here. Uh-huh. Okay, so they, had, they gave you some hints along the way. Yeah, I got, I got, I got the news quick. You know, I was running away from snow. <laughs> you put out the information fast. So, what's new in your life this week, sir? Uh, new. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Not a lot. Okay. Well, then let's find out what's old in your life. How did you make money when you were a kid? Did you have a piggy bank? Um, did you have a mechanical bank, a dime saver card? What what happened with coins when you were a kid? Well, the way I made money was I had a shoe shine box. <gasps> Tell me about that. You did mention that one time. Still have the box. Do you really? Honest to God, it's sitting right here by my fireplace. Oh, good for you. Uh, made it out of uh, recycled fruit boxes in front of the fruit and vegetable store. Huh? They used to be wood. They they weren't always cardboard. And uh, just made it all by myself. And you have a little foot stand on it? Yeah, well, that was the expensive part. I got this little aluminum uh, uh, shoe piece that cost 50 cents. Ooh. I had to save. <laughs> I had to save up for quite a while to get it, but it's it's still on the shoe shine box. So where did you shine shoes? Uh, well, I lived in Astoria, Queens, mm-hmm. and right adjacent to the. Uh, elevated subway station where everybody kind of had to pass by that's where we used to hang out and then uh, you know we were charging uh, 10 cents 
and a lot of times we would go into bars and a lot of times guys would give you a quarter in there. That was big money. Was, when you went into a bar, yes. were there any scary situations that ever happened? Mm, no, I wouldn't say so, no. How often were you out near the L doing shines? Oh, oh every weekend. If it wasn't raining or snowing or something, we were out there. There was about five or six kids. How, how much money could you make in a weekend? Well, I, I made, let's see now. I made $12 one Saturday because everybody else went to a ball game. You were the only one there? The game in town, yeah. I love it. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't uncommon to make five bucks, but you had to stay out there a long time. And, uh, you know, charging a dime or shine, uh, a lot of times you'd, you'd get a tip, sometimes 10, 15 cents. That was real gravy. That's like 30 or 40 shines, in, if, you're, if you're including tips, that's like 30 or 40 shines a day or in the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, mostly I would count it as two days. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. That's a lot you know, of shining. I was an eight-year-old businessman. You done good. <laughs> All right, so what did you do with your money? Uh, Patricia, it's, I, I can honestly tell you that most of the time I gave it to my mother and she bought food with it because we weren't doing very well. You are one neat kid. Were you able to keep any of it for yourself? Oh, yeah. She'd give me some money now and then. What, what, did, what were you likely to do with it? Uh, maybe go to the movies. Uh, in the summertime, the swimming pool. We had a, uh, a city-run swimming pool. Uh-huh. It had a, uh, let's see, it was free in the morning up until 12 o'clock. Then you had to go out, and it was $0.09 cents to go back in in the afternoon. You could stay until 10 at night. <laughs> and we used to do it. We used to stay there late. What a peculiar number, nine cents. Well, that's what it was. And the, the movie, the movie house was 12 cents. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that they, they broke it down into pennies for these kinds of things. So if I heard you correctly, you could go to the pool or it was a pool? Yeah, yeah, the pool, nine cents. So you could go to the pool for free in the morning. Right. We were there in the morning, you had to get out and then come back in and pay. Right. Okay. All right. So the freebie was only for the morning hours, no matter, I mean, did you ever, you were good at hiding. <laughs> did, you, did you ever hide and manage not to have to go out but could stay the whole day for free? Oh, but uh, I never did hide in there. But uh, more than once, I did manipulate the fence. Manipulated the fence? Is that what you just said? Manipulated the fence. <laughs> oh, Ralph, you're a wheeler dealer when you were a kid. <laughs> so when you manipulated the fence, is that like crawling under the big tent to get in to see the circus type thing? Yeah, so we had to go over the fence. Over the fence. Ooh. All right, what kind of a fence was it? Oh, it's one of those... Uh, Oh, it was probably five feet tall, and it was metal spikes on top. Oh, my. Other kind? Yeah. Like a steel picket fence. <laughs> but uh, that was no problem. It was no problem. Only, it was no problem 
if you didn't fall on one of the spikes, it was no problem. We never lost anyone. <laughs> never lost anyone. <laughs> no, it's amazing that so many survived. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think that pool is still there. You know darn well they're not charging nine cents to get in, though. No. And you know what I was saying about the movies, mm -hmm. 12 cents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got you got two regular movies and a cowboy movie and maybe eight or ten cartoons. And by the time you come out of there, if the sun happened to be shining when you came out, you felt like Dracula. We used to take oh, our lunch. It was an all-day thing. Oh, yeah, it was a big thing. I mean, you're talking five hours? Oh, I would say, yeah. At least, maybe six. Yeah. Amazing. Long time. That's amazing. What was your favorite cartoon character? Oh, well, I, I liked, uh, let's see. I liked Heckle and Jekyll quite a bit. Okay. They were good. And, uh, let's see. Yeah. Porky Pig, of course. Bugs Bunny. Mm -hmm. They were all good. That's, a, that's about the most popular ones I can remember. Was Woody Woodpecker around? Woody Woodpecker was around, yes. He was. Okay, he was on the scene. Yep, he was there. Oh, <laughs> oh that's funny. That's funny. Okay. So, did you have a piggy bank? Uh, no, but I remember I told you last week I had a Uncle Don's uh, Ernest Saver bank. Yes. I don't... I don't think I came across that one in the lineup of antique banks that I found today. What did it look like? Well, it was uh, it was about three or four inches tall. It was oval uh, shaped, uh, looking at it from the top. Uh, cardboard size, sides metal uh, top and bottom with a slot in it. Right. And okay. I had a little guy on there. He, he kind of reminded me of Barney Rubble. He was the earnest saver. Did you use it? Uh, not too much. <laughs> Did you figure out how to get money out without having to wreck the bank? Oh yeah, and it had a little, uh, it had a little mechanism on the bottom. You just twisted it and removed it. Okay. I had a piggy bank when I was a kid that didn't have any exit. Oh yeah. So if if you wanted money, you were supposed to break the piggy bank, which of course was a terrible thing to do. You wouldn't kill your pig. But, yeah. See, I figured out watching my brothers. <laughs> If you turned the thing upside down and ran a dinner knife up there and just kind of jingled the coins around, that they would slide hey, out. I've done that. I, I thought that was pretty cool. My brothers taught me that. But you've done that, too? Yes, but, you know, uh, Yeah. I think my mother had a piggy bank. <gasps> that was Ralph, the, the source of income a lot of times. <laughs> Ralph, did you steal from the piggy? Oh, I had permission. <laughs> You had permission to be a thief. <laughs> but I, w I wasn't allowed to break him. No, break the piggy. That's, uh, I can understand that. I can understand that. Did you hear me tell Walden about an 1886 Martha Washington dollar was only being sold for $315? Well, I heard you asking if there was any uh, a woman on the uh, folding money. And... Then I left the room uh, to come downstairs and turn on my other radio. Uh, so I missed the answer. 
Well, the answer answer is Martha Washington. She was on the front of a dollar, a silver certificate dollar bill, in 1886, and again in 1891, and then on the reverse, she was an emblem on the reverse in 1896. And I looked up some prices for these things in the 1886, which was the first year she was <laughs> she was issued. <laughs> That sounds terrible. <laughs> the first year was 1886, and a, a dollar bill in very good to fine condition from 1886 is selling for $315. And I just, I can't believe that that's all they would get for it. Yeah, well, it was in fine shape. Uh, I don't know, that's, that's, that's quite good, but apparently they're not that rare if, uh, if they're not really, really high priced. I don't know. Um, they've, they've got one in good condition for $195. I didn't even know they existed. Not that I know everything about currency, but I didn't even know they existed. And by golly, we can we can get Patricia a dollar bill for $195. Oh, I just thought it was kind of interesting that this poor woman was on uh, on the front of two issues of dollar bills, and she's not worth very much. Well, uh, just a lot less. <laughs> I went to the, the George Washington uh, home, uh, which is uh, in Virginia, right across from Washington D.C. Uh-huh. And they, she wasn't poor. <laughs> she was not poor. This is true. She, they they had a very sizable plantation. Big house, yeah. Yeah, he had nothing. She had she had the money. You're right. Uh, he, he was. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not a big on history, but I, I understand he was a very patriotic guy, and he, he didn't uh, he, he didn't try and put himself uh, ahead of other people. Mm-hmm. I have read that. But Walden is our American history person, and then I have read the, that same information. Walden, is it correct? It's correct. He was, he was actually hard sell recruited to be president. He didn't want to be president, and he didn't want to be called president either. No, and I don't think he saw himself being general of the United States either. No, no. Yeah, I've heard that too. That's yeah. supposed to be true. Yeah. Very, I, I don't want to say humble, but he was, uh, I guess humble is a good word. He, he just did not recognize how, how skilled and important a person he was. Yeah, thank God me. I didn't realize this until I read it. You know, he lost every single battle he was in in the American Revolution except for the last one. I know, and I was going to say he wasn't exactly the best statistician no. or strat. What am I trying to say? Statistician. He was not a good statistician. Yes. Yeah. What I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know why he was? You see the pictures of him going across the Delaware River. Mm-hmm. Huh? Did you ever notice that he's standing up? Right. You know why? Uh, he had didn't four. have any room in the boat for him. No. Nope. I don't know. Why is he standing up? Every time he sat down, somebody handed him an oar. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. I thought you were going to give me a piece of history. Well. really is history. Okay, I, I will tell everybody. You don't see this in the history books, but Ralph said. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Okay, I, are you ready for a question? Oh, I'll try. Oh, boy, he's all excited now. Uh He's ready. Uh All right, he's ready. Who owned the car, the Black Beauty? 
He hunts the biggest of all games. Green Hornet. Oh, right. Green Hornet, yes. Oh, right. You done it. That was easy. <laughs> oh, well, it's not. See, you know, I, I tell you all the time, it's only easy if you know the answer. If you don't know the answer, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, and he had a... Uh, Cato uh, was his driver. Right. Right. And he was a descendant of the Lone Ranger. Right. That's right. And his... Uh, and what color was the car? Judy. <laughs> Good old Walden. <laughs> Good old Walden. Yeah. Okay. Um, we went through this last week, didn't we? Who was who was the secretary? Who was his secretary? Oh, this, that one's not in my head. It may come in later. <laughs> How about the? What about the? Feet? Was the name Della Street? Uh, oh, that oh, was Perry Mason. Perry Mason. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. How about, well, then, I, I could not remember this last week, and as soon as you said it, it went, ah, yeah. The reporter who was always barging in and being such a pain in the petunias. Axford. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And well, I can't remember who the editor is. Gut, who was, uh, who, who is the editor? Gutner. Uh, uh, go to G. Got new, get new. Got new, mm. I think it. I'm trying, and I'm mixing it by a little bit. I'm going to have to go to John Dunning here. Oh, and, well, uh, okay, what, what, was the name of the, what was the name of the theme song? Oh, I know that one. Under the Bumblebee. There you go. Good. Ah. Good. All right, we want Green Hornet. Now, you didn't tell me last week what Tony would like, so I'm depending on you to tell me this week what Tony would like. He'd like the Green Hornet. Really? <laughs> is, it, is that true? Because I do have a whole bunch of them. I think Ralph is overseeing his... Overseeing <laughs> Let me Tony see Bush. if I can get any feedback. Okay. Now, what what big band would you use that as a famous song? The Flight of the F Bumblebee. I know Patricia won't know that one, but I'll leave that out for the audience. If you're a fan of the big band, what big band uh, guy decided you make a make a record of the flight of the bumblebee. Oh my god, what is it? Think of the trumpet. Oh, Harry James. Very good, Ralph. Very good. Uh, Harry James. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's see. Donovan. <laughs> Donovan, hold on. Um Faithful Companion. Mom, Michael Tolan is Cato. Lenore Allman is yeah, you know, it, this is really interesting because it was Lenore Allman who played Lenore Case. Right. Uh, Miss Case, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I just read one of Martin Graham's articles for Air Check for Reps, mm -hmm. and he, he wrote about um, Lenore, Lenore Allman, the, the actress. Uh -huh. Let's see, uh, Gilly Shea is Michael Axford, age reporter Ed Lowry. Mm was a reporter right over the 30s who was the who was the chief of police that they, they were always running up against oh the, the green hornet was running up against him yeah yeah you know he, he was like uh they thought he was a criminal yeah. even though he was working on the side of the law right. oh yeah I'm, I'm i was getting him and boston blackie mixed up but the two of them were in the same boat mm -hmm. let's see um um, <laughs> there were so many characters here. I'm going through the whole list. Uh, you know, 
WXYZL out of Detroit. They sounded quite a bit alike. They sometimes. did. They did. You could tell. Because um, uh, George W. Trindle liked to hold on to a buck, so you know that's why he always used classical music. Yes. Oh, for everything, because that was free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's how he controlled costs. Well, I heard he was tight-fisted. Yeah, did okay. Did okay. Uh... And his contracts, Martin and I were talking here not too long, his contracts were really uh, tight. In other words, the actors got a flat fee for the week, and so they could work, they had to work as many shows as, as they wanted. Yes, so yes, they, yes. They, were, they weren't paid by the show. They were paid by the week. So if they needed to work 20 shows one week, they got the same money compared to the, the following week. Yeah, you know what slays me, uh, Walden? uh I heard an interview with uh, Kitty Callan. Yeah. I think it was on on this uh, station. Right. And she says that the girl, the band singers, used to get ten bucks a song. Yep. Yeah, the the, the girl singers got a flat fee when they went in and recorded the song, and that was that was about it. And then they also we got it. They got a weekly salary, and that was and that was about it. Right. And so the senior, the girl seniors, or any any seniors on those big band records of the thirties, forties, before they became their own stars, they never got any residuals or anything. That went to the band leader. I got you. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. Well, you know, ten bucks wasn't bad in no, those days. No, 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 no. A lot of them were pretty grateful that they could uh, earn that kind of money, but uh. But that's that's what happened. You know, it's, the thing got me, I was listening to, um, I was talking to Artie Shaw one time, and he mentioned that in today's dollars, what he was making in 1942 would be equivalent to 600000 a week. No kidding. Yeah. Are uh, you serious? Yeah. We were born at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, but inflation set in, Patricia. Oh, yeah, but gee, I would love to spend that and say, I'll blame $600,000 on inflation. Well, 600000 a week. I could live the rest of my life on 10% of that. I know. Oh, my God. So, Artie said he had a choice. Either he could save it and be and be very comfortable or see how he was going to see how a king lived. So, he decided to go the other route to see how a king lived. So, he, he, he spent it pretty good. Well, good for him. Mm-hmm. I hope he enjoyed every penny of it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Whatever people choose to do with their own money is just cool by me. Mm-hmm. When somebody decides to do the unconventional and enjoys it, that mm-hmm. is, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. So do we get some feedback from Tony? She wants the Green Hornet. She has no, no real preference. The Green Hornet would be wonderful. <laughs> well, the Green Hornet it is then. They're pretty good shows. I have a bunch of them. I like the Green Hornet. I, I always was uh, taken by them going into the wall 
Oh, I know. I mean, it was... The wall opened up automatically and the car went out. Nobody ever noticed where it came out. It was amazing. <laughs> Nobody ever recognized the black beauty and, oh, gosh. What, what government official was not too happy with the opening of the show in the 30s? With the opening of the Green Hornet? Yes. Mm. Wait a minute now. Government official, like like national government? Yes. Huh. Mm. I would not know. Think of somebody who was in power for almost 40 plus years. Oh, that would have been Hoover. Uh-huh. He was not too happy with the opening because you remember the opening was he hunts the biggest ball all game, oh, even the G-men. Oh, my goodness. Leave even, it to Hoover? Boy, yeah. He used to get his nose out of joint. Uh-huh. Even the G-men could not reach. He was not too thrilled about that. I guess he wasn't. I never, ever would have given that a thought. Yeah, yeah, I got you. He was around for a long time. Yeah, he sure was. And he always had his nose in a, in, in his, his brain in a snit and his nose out of joint. A famous story, you know, they, um, there was a show called, this is, uh, FBI and Peace and War, which was, uh, you know, based, uh, on the FBI, but it was huh? not approved by the FBI. Hoover was not very happy about that, so he commissioned a show called This Is Your FBI, which, if you ever heard it, it's very dry, very, you know, um, uh, to the book. It, it's hard to listen to because there is almost no substance. When I say no substance to it, it's, okay, this is a case. Thank you. What's next? Right. So the writer of the show used to go up to the Hoover's office and talk about, and then he would go down to the bottom floor go to the telephone, telephone, booth, telephone booth and call his bookie from the FBI book building. <laughs> well, you have to stay in, in touch, you know. <laughs> this is as good as Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever meet any, any gangsters, Ralph? Uh, <clears throat> I, knew, uh, I knew a couple, but not, I never knew them well. Uh, I'm sitting here silent, waiting for the rest of the story. Probably shining. He probably shined a few shoes. That's probably how you met into him. Probably. Uh, one guy in the neighborhood. He was. Uh, he was in the gangs uh, previous to when I knew him, <clears throat> and he um, he owned a pizza parlor, and he'd also been a, a professional boxer. Mm. He was like a local character, but he he definitely had uh, connections. Uh huh. And uh, mm. Mm. then I worked with uh, a couple of guys whose whose family names were uh, quite famous, but I don't think I should say. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> right, go ahead. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't. You know, maybe they got relatives listening. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But. No, no. <laughs> we'll just. We'll we'll just kind of hang tough on that one. You're right. You know, those guys were, you know, the ones I knew, they were very personable people. But uh-huh. I guess the only time you had to worry is if you got in their way or interfered with their business. Yeah. Which, uh, which I was very careful not to do. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What I, what I want to tell you, oh, I found a tree. With the mistletoe. Oh, yeah. Did you get... Well, oh, no. You didn't go out with a shotgun, did you? Well, no, but I could. <laughs> Nobody would say anything over here. But that's a... You know, before you told me that they did that, I was sitting and thinking, 
It'd be great to shoot it down a load of buckshot. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. And they do it in England. Apparently, England has a, a annual, an annual hunt for mistletoe. And you all go out with shotguns, and that's how I learned about it. I learned so much because you guys make me go out and do homework. Well, you're good at it. You follow up. Oh, uh, I, I sent you an email about Jimmy Nelson. Did you get it? Oh, I did not. When did you send? Oh, uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, my goodness. Let me check my files. You know, once in a while, they the divert junk. you. I, I, and I don't know how or why, what happens with your email, but a couple of times I have found you in... The junk folder. Many times, Patricia, my emails don't always hook up either, so... And it's not there. I didn't get it. Mm. But I did send you his um, his address and phone. I called him up. Oh, you did? Spoke to him and his wife both, and, and believe it or not, you know, that was 1960, 61. Uh-huh. Believe it or not, they both remembered me. <laughs> oh, how sweet. Oh, I'm so glad you were able to do that. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I got, a kick, I got a real kick out of it. You know, he's the kind of person who really got a kick out of your calling. Um, I, and I, I asked him something one time, and I, I can't recall what it was or how I phrased it. And his answer was, of course not. I'm just always so happy when people remember. Yeah, well, that's, that's good, yeah. And I, I do remember him very well. Oh, but that's so nice. Um, we might have some people listening this week who were not listening last week. Jimmy Nelson, who is, <clears throat> excuse me, the ventriloquist, who did the Nestle's commercial with Farfel and Danny O'Day, the, the dummies. And, of course, he's been a ventriloquist for his whole life. Um, Danny would sing, N-E-S-D-L-E-S. And Farfel would say, chalk, 